This is Matthew Hester, Senior Pastor at Dominion Church. I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Dominion Church podcast experience. Our podcast aims to deliver truth from God's Word concerning His kingdom and your righteous identity as His beloved child. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and do share it with a friend. We pray that you are blessed, challenged, and changed by what you're about to hear. Thank you so so much for joining us here at Dominion Church. If you're joining us on Facebook Live, thank you so much. Like and share this so more people can be blessed as a result. Maybe you're joining us on YouTube or on the Dominion Church Podcast Experience. We are so grateful that you joined us. I want to ask you a favor. Come and be a part of one of our corporate gatherings. We meet here Sundays at 1 o'clock p.m. at the historic Taylor Mill in Greer, South Carolina. You are most welcome to come. There's great places to eat. Entertainment uh, outside of what we do here at the gathering. So come and just uh, enjoy yourself. We would love to have you and we'll minister to you. We will be a blessing to you. Uh, a couple things I want to, I just really want to share some things on my heart. I don't have any notes up here uh, and um, yeah, I just want to share some things. So, Facebook Memories informed me this past Friday that this weekend was the seventh anniversary of myself and Pastor Megan being uh, set in as the lead pastors of Dominion Church. And and with that came a lot of uh, fond memories of that weekend. Uh, There's some of you here that were there. And it was called Leader Shift. Leader Shift. And Dr. Joseph Dutton was there. So Dave Phil Yoon was there. And my parents. Apostle Jerry, Prophet Martha. And we had many people come and gather to be a part of that historic weekend of shifting. And so I just want to share a little bit, if I can. I'm going to share candidly, honestly, about the last seven years. The last seven years. But I want to start with this. So I'm, I'm part of a team that's going to be going down to Nicaragua here in a few weeks. And uh, Bishop Carlos Garcia has entrusted us with a directive to bring grace to his leaders. And so that's what we're going to do as a team. And so, of course, I'm focused on grace. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Lord, give me practical revelation and application for what grace looks like. And this moment of grace broke through on Friday, this moment of grace. So uh, my family and I just got back from a beautiful week of vacation on the beach. It, it was wonderful, restful. We got to connect with some friends. We were just treated well. We had a great time. Uh, and so Friday, we made the drive home from the beach, and I still wanted to get in a workout back at home gym. And, uh, and so I was there working out, and that memory was like in my mind, seven years, seven years. And right in the middle of working out, I heard the voice of Holy Spirit, an internal voice. And this is what the Holy Spirit said. It surprised me. It stopped me in my tracks. He said, the last seven years have been pretty tough. I thought, well, yeah. Uh, Has not been a walk in the park. Let's put it that way. Uh, I had no idea the challenges we would meet. Some very quickly, very quickly. 
And the Holy Spirit followed that up with this question. He said, um, or he asked, you think you got another year in you? Think you got another year in you? Just like that. And I, I paused and I thought about it. And I said, yeah, yeah, I think I do. I think I've got another year left in me. And then I thought later, well, I probably should ask Megan that because we're in this together. Maybe I should ask her, do you have another year left in you? And so I was sharing that with her. And, uh, and at first her response was, are you saying that we're only going to do this one more year? I said, no, that's, that's not the impression I got. The impression I got was the Holy Spirit was, was basically telling me, hey, if you stop today, you're still approved. You're still my son. I love you no matter what. So if you feel like you, you got another year in you, then let's go for it. And, and, and I told Megan, I said, I almost had this feeling, now we'll find out next year, I had this feeling almost like he's going to ask me that each year. You got, you got another year left in you? Yeah, I think so. And so I, I want to encourage you, put your mind at ease. I'm not saying we've got one year left. What I'm saying is in that moment, I, I felt the grace of Holy Spirit. You know, there are times when we commit to something and we feel like that's it. Either you succeed or you fail. That's it. Now, the Holy Spirit's like, no, that's, that's not how it works. I'm proud of you no matter what. It's going to be okay no matter what. So, but I do want to say with confidence, we do have one year left in us. <laughs> and I believe we'll have another and another. But thank you so much for being a part of this journey, and it's been quite a journey. Um, just just for those tuning in, and for those of you here, this could be a little bit of history. So I hope I don't bore you, but I, I feel like I should give just a little bit of a backdrop. Uh, so for myself personally, um, I was ordained in the year two thousand. The year two thousand, twenty-two years ago. That seems like a lifetime ago. And uh, was ordained as a pastor because nobody knew what else to do with me. <laughs> Just, and, but then we found out quickly that that was not my grace. And then uh, a, a couple years later, the grace of, the, of an apostle was recognized. And that's what I have been navigating and discovering for the last 20 years. And I say navigating and discovering because I feel like it would actually be a boast and untruthful to say, I've been functioning as an apostle the last 20 years. I can't say that with a straight face. I can say I've been trying to figure out what an apostle is. I, I've been walking it out, <laughs> whatever that looks like. So it's been a journey. And so along the way, of course, I married Megan in 2002, right? Yeah, because we're celebrating 20 years in May. And then kids come into the mix. We've got four of them. Our oldest son's about to turn 17. Just a week from now, we're going to turn 17. Blows my mind. So in 2014, well, let's back up. Back up to 2013. 2013, around Thanksgiving, I was burned out. Just burned out. My dad had had uh, uh, his second bout at that time with congestive heart failure. And I was trying to keep what I understood ministry to be going. 
And I didn't realize at the time that was also rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. And I didn't know it. I just knew couldn't be dead in the water. And we're just trying to move forward. So, I mean, I was talking to dad. I'd have these conversations with Megan. I think I'm ready to walk away from ministry. I still love the Lord as people. We'll talk about that later, but I love the Lord. And I think I could get a good job. Uh, I've had success in in the secular fields, industry. Um, Usually wherever I go to work, they want to groom me for management. I thought, hey, I could do that, and I could probably make a good living, and at the very least, love God and maybe bless people financially uh, that actually know how to do this thing called ministry. And that was my heart at the end of 2013. 2014, the start of 2014, my dad was in a time of prayer, and he felt led by the Lord to give me a book. The book was called The Power of Right Believing by Joseph Prince. I saw that and I thought, why in the world do I need another book? Anyone who's been a part of Dominion for any extended period of time asked the same question. Why do I need another book? I still have people that are like, are you going to make us read something? Because I, I, they have PTSD uh, from reading. And so I, I, I grabbed the book. I ignored the book for, you know, a month or so. And I thought, I'll, I'll open it up and see what's up. And I devoured that book. I devoured that book, you know, like a person that had been on a, a, a 21-day Daniel fast and hadn't looked at a Hershey bar in three weeks. And when they tear that thing open, it's gone before they could finish opening the wrapper. That's how I devoured that book. And the entirety of that book was on the gospel of grace. And for those of you that were there for 2014, it was a ride because I did a 16-part series called Whatever Happened to the New Creation. And for me, it was trying to communicate grace in the same way that it had captivated me. And so 2014, I, I don't try to make it sound overly dramatic, but grace saved my life, saved my life. It re-energized me. It made me passionate about the heart of God again. It helped me to see people differently. The very people that I was like, I don't even know if I like them anymore. God was showing me it's not about liking or disliking. You don't know how to show people grace. You cry out for grace, but you're awfully stingy when people need grace. You, you want it, but why aren't you eager to give it? I know I can't get any help in here right now. I'm just talking to me, and that's fine because I need to hear it. And so 2014 was this amazing journey of rebuilding, of new life, of new excitement. Towards the end of 2014, it took Dad over a year to fully recover from from congestive heart failure. And I was sure that he would take back over. So if you can imagine, I was interim the interim wrecking ball, if you will. And then finally, Dad was going to retake the reins and correct whatever nonsense I had done, anything I tore down that should have been torn down, he can rebuild it. So November 2014, Dad's like, I want to meet with you 
And I thought, okay, this is the meeting I've been waiting for. He's going to take everything back over. And so I'm ready to hear that. And he said, I've been praying. And, and listen, I don't think I'm supposed to take this back over. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? I, I've been praying about it. And, and I really feel like you and, and Megan are supposed to take this. And, and I was just shocked, absolutely shocked. And he said, uh, I, I, I'm just going to ask you to pray. I'm just going to ask you to pray. And so we did. We prayed for two months. No, we, we did not pray for a weekend. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, the reason we prayed for two months is because I didn't like what I was hearing. And so anybody ever done that? You keep praying because you feel like God will say something different than what he said before. It doesn't change what he said. It may change how you hear something, but it's not going to change what he said. And, and so the yes was there. So I told Dad in January 2015, yes, yes, we will. We believe we've heard from the Lord. And so March 2015, we were put in as the pastors. Uh, and, and what a wild ride it has been. Long, long story short, before we could make it our first year, we turned in the keys to the building we were in. We walked away from it because one of the things that I had heard about in theory but had never walked it out in practice is when there's a major shift in leadership that there are those who were connected to the, your predecessor that just because they were connected to them does not mean they have your heart. And that's what I walked through. Now, I want to make sure we're clear on this. I have no ill will against anyone that walked away. Because if you didn't have my heart, it would be terrible of me to even expect you to stay. So, that's water under the bridge. I've blown my kisses into the wind, okay? Uh, and so, we're good. We're good. But, this is something else. Any of you young ministers watching or aspiring ministers watching, when people leave, their money leaves with them. Now, I know right now, none of this sounds very spiritual. And if there's anyone that you are in relationship with that is trying to tell you that there is not a business side to ministry, they're lying to you, or they just don't have the experience yet. I wish, can I just tell you this right now? Again, like I said, being honest and transparent. I wish, I wish that all church life was sitting around in a circle by a bonfire, singing Kumbaya and getting blasted in the Holy Ghost. I really wish that's what it was. I wish every service was a thousand people crammed to the walls, falling out in the spirit because of their desperation for God. I wish there was never a conflict. I wish there was never a disagreement. I wish that you always had all the finances you needed to do what was in your heart to do. And I say wish because they all feel like wishes. They really do. But that is not the reality of ministry. There are components to ministry that are not ayah. There are components to ministry that are not spiritually being slapped out of your mind. There, there are schedules, routines, and plans, and strategies. Now, we submit all that to the Lord, and we pray that it's driven by the Holy Spirit. And the times where it's not, we pray that we have the ability to course correct. 
You know, the early apostles, I love it, they would make plans and they would say it this way, we did what seemed right to us and to the Holy Spirit. Don't you love that? They had such a trust in their union with the Holy Spirit that they didn't even question their plans unless the Holy Spirit restrained them. Man, I'd love to get to a place like that. I really would. The truth is, so like as your senior pastor, I am thinking about much more than what we're going to do right here on a Sunday morning. I know a lot of people that have never been in ministry, they feel like, man, pastoring is the easiest job in the world. You literally work one day a week. And I would love, and I'm truthful in this, I would love to have a clock-in, clock-out job to where I can leave all my issues back where I clocked out. But you can't leave people there. You can't leave people that you're bleeding with, you're sowing into their life. You can't leave it that way. It doesn't work that way. So this is how it works. Ministry always follows you home. It always follows you into your private life. Can I give you a window into that? This past week, on vacation, one of the strongest decisions I had to make was I was not going to answer my phone unless it was family or an emergency. And there were many times the phone would ring. And like my heart almost skips a beat. Like, oh my gosh, I should answer it. I know who that is and what do they need. And Because that's how you feel as a pastor. Another thing outside of Sundays is you're trying to figure out how to cultivate community. Community. Man, I'm trying not to pick, I'm trying to pick on anything. Dan, you, you're talking about needing grace. I need some grace here for a minute. So, like, when we try to plan things in our heart, we believe would spur on community. And then people have no interest in it whatsoever. No interest in it whatsoever. So you're trying to build something. But the response is kind of like, we don't care. <laughs> I mean, and it's tough because you know what you can't do? You can't go back to the people and be like, hey, what's wrong with all you people, you sons of guns? You can't do that either. You keep your love on. You keep serving. You have to, you keep your grace on. You try. There are times where I run through a list in my mind of what possibly could be the, the reason. Any pastors right now watching this? What, well, you know, well, maybe they just had a tough week. And they're exhausted. They don't want to be a part of fellowship. Maybe that's just not their thing. Maybe they're introverts. And they, maybe it's the work schedule. Maybe someone's sick. Maybe they had a previous obligation. And then when you find out this was the answer, oh, I forgot. You still have to have the same grace. You still have to walk in love. And it's tough. It is tough. Not to mention dealing with the expectations people have of who they think you should be as a person, right? See, I'm still trying to figure out who Matthew is. I, I know some of you guys are blown away by that. I'm about to be 43 years old, and there are still lots of moments where I don't even fully know who I am, what I'm capable of, and what God has entrusted me with. And there are people that have their own expectations of what I should be, what I should do, and how I should do it. And then what's particularly difficult is when it's not articulated to me. Well, man, we really wish that you would just do this. We really wish you would just bask in his presence for an hour every Sunday. I'd love to do that right here on the platform. Can we be honest? Those of you watching on Facebook, wouldn't you love to see that video where I just lay on the floor and laugh in the microphone for 60 minutes? I'd love to do that. There might be times I need to do it to keep from going crazy. But you know what? That would not be being true to me. Because part of the grace that I carry is for the church at large. And one of the things I'm passionate about is tearing down wrong belief systems. 
So I can't ignore that. I can't ignore that. Because then, in trying to be the person you need me to be, I'm betraying who I know that I am. Now, that doesn't mean, like I said again, if the Lord has other plans and we all take a deep dive into 10-foot water of the Spirit, I'm ready to roll. Count me in. I'm just trying to share some of what the last seven years has been like. But what I heard the Lord saying over this weekend, He said, coming into the seventh year, it's going to be the year of the seat. The year of the seat. It's going to be the year of rest. But I want to put you on notification. We, I believe with that word is going to come some of, some of the most beautiful and successful activity that we've seen in a long time. When we embrace the seat. You guys know what I'm talking about. I believe you guys here know what I'm talking about. Those watching, I'm talking about the Ephesians seat. That we have been lifted with Christ. We have risen with Christ and we're now seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. That is the place of the seat, the place of rest. I shared earlier what the Holy Spirit spoke to me at the gym. The last seven years have been tough. Do you think you have another year left in you? I got this word prophetically Wednesday. From, from, from uh, Pastor Joseph Dutton. Again, totally un, unsolicited, unprovoked. Uh, by the way, when I say that, I mean that. Those of you watching, don't solicit prophetic ministry. I'm just trying to help you. Okay? If the Lord has something to say, He knows exactly when to say it, how to say it, in the way you need to hear it. Don't go chasing for a word. First of all, it's not the 90s anymore. That was allowed back then because everybody was chasing words. But this day and age, you need to settle into the words that have already been spoken. Can I just give you some wisdom? Some of us, we want God to say something new because we're not happy with what He has said. Maybe if you just receive what He has said and settle into it, then you won't be chasing a word. The word will be chasing after you at that point. Okay? I, somebody needs to hear that. Okay. But this is the word. Unsolicited. <laughs> I did not ask for this. But I believe it is definitely... Uh, something I need to share. First, I felt it was kind of private, but I felt like it's something we should share for today. This is what I heard. I know you miss your daddy. I miss mine like crazy. He's been gone 17 years now. No one can ever replace them. But you carry the torch now. I have prayed over and over and continue to believe that all that seem to be lost to dominion will be restored sevenfold. I believe in you. I love you and I thank the Lord for your friendship to me during my first years in North Carolina. Lynette and I had no one. But you guys, your daddy and you, loved us and believed in the gift of God in us. For some of you watching, you might know the Duttons. They launched Dominion TV which right now, it's turning into an international Christian television network. And then, I just said thank you for the encouragement. That's the response. You can see, there's his long text, my little response. And then he shared this. The world is yours. The days of the nomad is coming to an end. I see a resting place coming where the staves will be removed from the ark. 
I see a resting place. I see the place of the seat. And so, again, seven years, and, and we're going to wrap up here. I know, right? Seven years we had to walk away from what was at that time the best facility we'd ever been in. I love that facility. We, we, I still call it the lighthouse. Everything we did was under one roof. It was beautiful. We put so much work into that. We put six figures into that. A lot of people still don't know that. We put six figures into renovating that place. So you talk about how hard it was to walk away from that. I felt ashamed. I felt, oh, just, oh, what, <laughs> this, is how, this is how I would say it. My dad could pastor for 40 years. I take over and in six months, I can run it into the ground. I'm good at running stuff into the ground. That's literally, I, it, was so, it was such a pity party, Flora. I, I feel ashamed talking about it that way now. I was wrestling with depression. The first time I'd ever tasted depression was when we were trying to pack up a 10,000-square-foot building, put it into moving trucks, and take it to storage buildings. Megan's nine months pregnant with Ava. I mean, I, I would come home and I would tell you, I'd come home and just lay on the bed, stare at the ceiling. Because I was feeling so sorry for myself. Look at what we've done. January 1st, 2016, we turn in the keys to that building. We walk away. And since then, so it's 2016, so now, well, seven years. We've been in a storefront in Lyman. You guys remember that? <laughs> Woo, that was tough. Especially when the heat and the air didn't work. Then we went to... Nuevo Comienzo, which has been an amazing place for us, but still kept hidden. I was telling Pastor Joe Azell, their final service in that building is today. Their final service is today. And he said, I can't explain it. We're sitting on Wade Hampton and nobody knows that we're here. I said, I'm used to that. I know how all that works. Anywhere we are, it seems like nobody knows where we are. And now we're here at Taylor Mill sharing this space with Prevail. And I get this word of the Lord on Wednesday. I feel like the time of the nomad is coming to an end. You know what nomadic people are? They're those that sojourn and travel, moving from place to place, because we don't have a place to rest. And I'm telling you, we're coming into the place of rest. We're coming into the place of the seat. And I'm reminded as we're looking at the calendar, this is the year of intentionality. So there's a marriage there of intentionality and rest. Maybe it means we have to just intentionally be at rest. But with that comes strategy. So continue to pray for us. Because I know, and I've already been talking to the team, the leadership team, it's time for us to regroup. It's time for us to reconvene. It's time for us to start dreaming again. It's time for us to start talking about our graces individually and how they look when they're pulled together to impact this local community we call Dominion Church. We have a lot to offer. And it is time for it to be received. And it's time for it to be enjoyed. Yeah, it's been a tough seven years. But I have a feeling it's going to all feel worth it for what is next. Amen. So for those of you that are here, thank you. Thank you for sticking in there. You know, I, I could take aside a little, a 
little side exit here and talk about everything went through a dad. I mean, there were times in 2020 and last year where the last thing on my mind was having the capacity to even be concerned about what's going to happen on a Sunday or who can't show up for a service. Didn't care. I was just trying to survive. But I'm not sure the world's ready. I'm not sure I'm ready for what life is about to look like where survival's not what's on the, t- the table anymore. It's not about surviving anymore. It's back to living. Friday is exactly six months since Dad has passed. Six months. I, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like the thought of how time fast, how time fast, how fast time moves in the absence of someone. But I can still, if you guys will give me the grace to say it this way, I can still sense him being a part of what we're doing. And, and I have, I, knowing dad, there are times when I'm like, man, I just love to just ask him, dad, you got any strategy, you got any insight, what in the world can we do? Because, man, it's, there are times looking pretty desperate. And I know exactly what he would say. So it's funny. It's funny. Well, I feel like I need him here to say it, but I know what he would say. You know what he would say? He would say, well, what has the Lord said? Why are you asking me what would I say? Because I'm going to ask you, what has the Lord said? And so I'm telling you now, this is what I know. He has said, we're coming into the place of the seat, the place of rest. It's time for us to settle in to what He has already spoken. It's time for us to own who we are and walk in the graces that we carry collectively so that this city, this region can be impacted by who we are as a house. It's time to grow. That's what I know standing here right now. So with all that, Holy Spirit asked, do you think you got a year left in you? Well, I think so. At the very least, I've got a year left in me just to see how things turn out. I'm curious. So I want to encourage you, those watching, come. Come be a part. We'd love to have you. We are ready to expand, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. We need you for it to happen. For those of you here, just, I would say, recklessly invite people. Hey, come on. I'm going to church. You want to come? It's awesome. You'll love it. You'll get a prophetic word. You'll, get, you'll love praise and worship. And then he gets up and talks. He says things half the time they're worth listening to. And just... Invite them. Come, come, come. Everybody, come on. The kids can come do activities. We got coffee machines. You, you can come and have a good time. If nothing else, have a good cup of coffee. Just be relentless about it. Come on, you know. I was thinking, for everyone represented here in the house, if everyone invited one person a week, one person a week, we'd be inviting like 150 people a month just, just in our, amongst ourselves. And just say 5% of that 150 stuck around. 5%. 
We'd be growing as a house seven to eight people a month. The end of a year, you've grown by 100 people. Again, I'm not saying that's the metric by how we measure success. I'm just asking the Lord, am I at least doing enough to expect for there to be growth and increase? Because at this point, we've never been in a place where people just accidentally wander in. They have to be directed to where we are. That has not changed. So I want to encourage you, be proactive. If there's anything else we can do, that's step one. Be proactive in asking people to come. And then we trust the Lord, the rest. I'm not asking us, you don't have to perform or jump through, you know, loops or hoops or, you know, light torches on fire. Just invite someone to come that they might feast at the table of the Lord and see his goodness on display. So I'll say for myself, I'm not going to speak for Megan, but it has been one of the greatest, most challenging privileges to serve this house for the last seven years. And so we thank you for letting us do it. We don't take it for granted. Lord, we just... We honor you today, Lord. I, I pray that everything I said, it was said at least in the right spirit. I, there's, no, there, there's no animosity in my heart. There's, there's no unforgiveness there. It's, it's said and done. It's thanksgiving. It's seeing that you were faithful when I didn't know how to be faithful. That you were still believing in us in the moments where we were doubting. Even those moments, even recently, where I was just having to figure out how to trust you when I couldn't trace you. Where are you, God? Even though you're there, not knowing where. Lord, you've been so faithful with us as a house and as a ministry. I believe with all my heart, I would even say now more so than ever, that what began the 4th of July, 1985, as Greenville Community Church, there has been hundreds of churches since July the 4th, 1985, that have opened and closed while we have yet still remained. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for giving us the courage to persist. But now, Lord, I am believing and I am so hopeful that we're moving from the place of just existing to expansion, increase, and life. Lord, I thank you for all these things. Lord, give us the humility to submit to your process. Give us the humility to submit to your ways. Lord, I just thank you for all things now. Decree them by faith in your wonderful, beautiful name above all names, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Facebook, YouTube, podcast. Like and share this. Get the word out. We are open for business. We are open for community, and we want to hug your neck here soon. God bless you. Have an amazing week, and we can't wait to see you next Sunday. Blessings.